It's a privilege to be in God's house. Amen. Amen. I want to say again, welcome to all of y'all who have decided to drop by and and worship the Lord in our house and uh, make yourself at home. An old preacher friend of mine said, you to pull your chair a little closer to the table, take some good silverware and start eating. You bring your appetite this morning? Amen. Praise God. I know there's a word for you that I have. It's been on my heart for weeks and weeks. And I know that God's going to give it to you. Are you ready to receive it? Amen. Well, praise God. Uh, If you would be so kind to open up your Bibles this morning to the main text will be Psalms 30, 11, and 12. And I saw this cute joke, and it says, Bring, uh, turn in your Bibles or your electronic devices. Because today we have electronic devices, and uh, I, I enjoy my electronic devices. I enjoy my three or four deals I have on the Bible, and I tell you, it's, I love it because I've got one that it just reads to me. And I got one that says on dramatization, so that when it reads it to me, it's dramatic. It's kind of like watching a movie. I like that. Well, you ready? Word says, You turned my wailing or my mourning into dancing and removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God. I will give you thanks forever. Father, we thank you so very, very much for all that you have done, you're doing, and about to do in this service. Father, we give this service to you. We pray for your anointing, your power of the Holy Ghost upon this word, upon this sermon, upon our ears to hear, and we thank you in advance for what you're about to do. Father, I believe today there's some that's going to be healed. Some are going to be touched and lives changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we ask this and we thank you for this in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Well, my title this morning is Dancing with the Scars. Scars. Not Dancing with the Stars like the ABC uh, program that every once in a while my wife and I will watch. Um, I got to admit to you that uh, it it is get a little flashy sometimes, and I have to realize that I have to turn my head because some of them girls just don't have enough clothes on, and the guys too. I've seen them take their shirts off anyway. Point being, it it is a good popular uh, a song or a musical and singing and dancing, and I I always get a kick out of watching the old folks. There's been some people 80 years old in there, and they've been dancing. And for that, I think, oh, God, hope they don't fall and break some. But they do dance, and they dance well for their age. And then I've seen some that are football players that, and weightlifters get up there, and they just kind of like, you know, they just barely can get their body moving because they got too many muscles. But these people who are light-footed and get up there and begin to dance, you can see in their heart they got the joy, but they got pressure on them because I've seen some of the programs. Hemi's, Hemi's seen that, Dancing with the Stars. Amen? 
that there are some that will get up there in deep pain and dance. I've seen one of them leg being almost broken on the angle, ankle, but still keep on dancing. And that's the way we're supposed to do in life, just keep on dancing. No matter how much pain we're in, no matter how many problems we have, we just keep on dancing. How many can dance this morning in here? Don't be afraid to raise your hand. Donnie, where you at, man? Where you at, Donnie? Oh, there you are. That Donnie, man, he can, he can dance. And Daniela, where you at? I don't know where she is, but she can dance. She put something on Facebook the other day, and I'm not sure what it was, but it, it went everywhere. I mean, it was everywhere. But that girl can dance, and Donnie can dance. I watched, we have DBS here with the kids, and he was up here doing his thing, and somebody, oh, you, it was you dancing too, wasn't it? You were dancing, yeah. Johnny was dancing. Oh, mercy. And Dwayne? Yeah, see, we got some dancers in the house. Amen? Dancing's good. The only problem is when I grew up, dancing was a sin. I grew up kind of strict and straight-laced, and, and uh, my mom and dad, mom was saved when dad met her at 19, and dad was like 22, 23, and he had already been in the world, and he had been in dancing bars and dancing nightclubs, and he was already the guy that had been out there with had a lot of partners to dance with, and, and, and he always told me, you know, it's, it's not right to dance. And, and I, 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 I never did. My poor wife has never seen me dance with her. Now, we have made a pact, and we have believed God that when she's healed, she and I are going to cut a rug. Okay? Amen? And, and we're going to dance. I'll do a slow with her, and I'll do a fast with her, and everything in between. We're going to have some fun. But in the meantime, I just, uh, I'll watch somebody else dance because... Uh, I don't know how to do it. I think I think if I were dancing, I would kind of like to do that. What's that one? You, you, waltz, waltz. Yeah. Uh, my dad was a worship leader, and he he. I mean, I remember him saying about two two time, four two, four four time, and all these things. And anyway, dancing is a great thing. There's nothing sinful about it unless you're doing it for uh, the wrong reasons, and don't need to go there. But uh, if you are dancing before the Lord, that's great. Amen. Dance. Dance away. I, I was working with a gentleman once uh, in another church, and the, they called him the dancer. I've never seen anybody like him before. He looked like a helicopter taking off. He could jump up in there and twirl around three times before he hit the floor. I don't know how in the world that he did that. Well, last uh, month, his wife died, and she was, uh, had just turned 40 or about at 40 years old. And I understand, I don't know, I wasn't at the funeral, but I understand that he did some dancing. How many know you can dance in your sorrow and your pain and your mourning, just like those dancing the stars? They, they didn't quit dancing because they were in pain. They just kept on going on. Let me have another question for you. How many this morning have scars on your body? Man? I'm going to talk a little bit about scars this morning. 
It's a play on word of dancing with the stars, but dance with the scars. And I want to talk a little bit about scars. Now, some of you have scars that might be showing and other scars, thank God, for clothing because we have scars. I have, uh, I have measured just this message. I have never done this before, but I measured how many inches I have in scars on my body. Now, I measured 38 inches of scars. That's a lot of scars, isn't it? Now, there is one lady here. I don't know where she is. Uh, she had back surgery. Where are you at? I forgot where she was. I saw her earlier. But she had all up and down her spine, probably a good two feet. That's in one part of her body. Replacements on your knees and having prosthesis put in, they cut you open pretty big and, and put this new joint in. And I had back surgery. But my wife and I have something in common. I think that's why we wind up loving each other so much. And we wind up together uh, because we have a, 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 a scar that's the same as I have and she has. And the same reason we have the scar. The scar is from glass. When she was young, she fell, got cut by glass. How old were you? 12, 13? I started younger than you. I was nine years old, and I fell through a glass window. And she has her on her arm right here, and, and uh, I have them all over my arms. And if you're not trying to show you my scar, but I have a lot of scars on my arms and fingers almost cut off. I had 77 stitches, December the 23rd, 24th, 1959, I received those scars. I thought I was going to die. I actually, on the way to the hospital, was breathing profusely, and my mom and dad were rushing to get me there. Thank God it was only about six blocks away. Uh, uh, Hamilton Hospital, you ever heard of that, Hamilton Hospital? You have, haven't you? Anybody from my little hometown knows about Hamilton Hospital. It was where I was born, and a lot of other people were born there. But this, this, this arms that, and, and cuts on my body bears the marks that I have on my body. Everybody has bar marks on their body of one way or other. Maybe you fell down and skinned yourself. Maybe you attempted suicide. Maybe you cut yourself. Maybe you just had an accident in a car. Or maybe you, you had something happen to you unexpected of an accident. And you may have a scar on your body somewhere. That's life. We all get scars. I'm going to tell you a story this morning about a gentleman. Some of you may know this name, David Reaver. Anybody know that name in here? Okay, you do? Okay. Back here. David Reaver, back in Vietnam War, uh, went and he was injured on a boat going down the river. And as he was, he's now a little bit old. He's about 66, uh, 67 years old. Right during the heat of the Vietnam War, he was there. And he got severely injured by a phosphorus hand grenade going off in his hand by his face. Actually, they shot it as he was about to throw it. A bullet came from the bushes out on the river and shot this hand grenade, phosphorus hand grenade. Now, that's different than the regular one. 
that it keeps on burning. Phosphorus won't stop. Water won't stop it. It just keeps on burning. So basically, the, the pictures, I've been able to be with him a couple times over the years and being where he's preached and went to his office over in Fort Worth. He lives here in Fort Worth. But I met him in Arizona, and to look at him, he's pretty grotesque. He's, uh, one half of his face was reconstructed where it was blown off, and, and uh, he lost an ear. He had to put a fake ear on. And David Reaver plays the piano very beautifully. But he, he said, I play by ear, so he takes his ear off and plays on the piano by ear. David is a very comedic fellow, very funny guy, very uh, enthusiastic about, and very patriotic man. He's never mad at God. He was never mad at the war, what happened. It was his duty, he said, to serve God in this Vietnam War. Well, he, he blew a hand, part of his hands off and, and uh, had reconstruction done on his hands. Anyway, he was a mess. Many years went by, and he was preaching all over the world. And he would go in into schools and talk to kids in school with all the scars he had on his face. He wore a toupee because all of his head was removed there, all of his skin was removed. And he said, I could not live with my scars. He said, there wasn't a day that went by, and this was only eight or ten years ago, that he had been healed emotionally. David said that he would go in and preach and then go home or go back to the motel and attempt suicide practically every day of his life because he was hurting so bad from the scars. Not the pain of the scars, but the emotions of the scars. But today he's healed emotionally. And someone spoke into his life one day and said, David, you can handle these scars. And he thought, okay, I'm not exactly understand what you're saying. But the whole story was that this person said, God knew you could handle the scars, David, and you had worked for me. That set him free. One word set him free. And he no longer bore those scars in his heart wanting to destroy himself, but he went ahead and lives now preaching the word of God years later. But thank God for our veterans, amen? Many, many, many people wear scars in their body. Think about just recently in Boston. My, our daughter was just there last week and, and on vacation. They went to the area where the bombings went off in, in the city of Boston. And they, of course, had it boarded up. And she said it was quite interesting to be able to, to see where the damage was. And there was many people scarred up that day. And then 9-11, all these tragic things that you can think about but you see what happened was with David he decided to dance with his scars he wouldn't allow the scars to stop him from preaching even though he didn't want to live because of it but he kept on keeping on 
What a testimony David Reaver has today. He had those emotional scars that Jesus took. I ask you a question this morning. Can you let Jesus have your emotional scars? Can you trust him this morning with your emotional scars? Or invisible scars? You see, the skin, when it grows over, called fibrosis tissue. And uh, I have no feelings where I have scars, and that's just normal because basically your body's being healed, but the structure of it uh, in the cells changes, and you don't have the same skin that you had before. Now, there you are. You're the one that had the back surgery. I saw it. There you are. I knew, I knew you was there. I just didn't see you a while ago. Sometimes the light gets bright, and I can't see. But the tissue becomes the healing part of the flesh wound and that causes tissue fibrosis tissue is Laura back here anywhere she's hiding out back back in the back okay well Laura after I had my she's a physical therapist a doctor in, in the not theology but uh, physiology physical therapy uh, she came over to my house uh, every week for about five weeks on a Friday night. She'd get off of work, and what she would do, she would take this instrument, and she would rub all up and down my leg. And uh, you ever seen that done, Chris? It hurts. I've come to the conclusion that physical therapists are wonderful people. They just have no conscience when it comes to pain. But she would rub this over and over, and, and she told me what it was, was she was destroying some scar tissue so that I could be able to heal quicker. And to be God be the glory, I heal very quickly. I remember being in therapy and, and, and sitting on a table, and, and the, the physical therapist, not Laura, but another one says, I want you to put your leg back. I'm sitting down like this. I want you to put your leg. Actually, I'm sitting like this. I can't get my leg back. I want you to put your leg back here like this while you're sitting down. She said, yeah, I can. You can. You can. So I'm sitting there. I'm really in pain. I just got a surgery a couple of days. And she says, let me help you. She takes the front of her foot and kicks my foot backwards and it immediately immediately went back to a perfect position now if I hadn't been a Christian and I didn't love Jesus <laughs> whoo, I could have hurt me some woman because she was absolutely right in what she did it just hurt real bad it was a miserable thing that I went through but the healing came just like Laura, when she began to rub that scar tissue, that scar tissue went away. Scars are painful. Scars hurt. No matter how much pain, you can still dance. David says in Psalms 30, 11, joy as David, the psalmist said, and you can dance despite the pain. You can turn your sorrow into dancing. 
being joyful and dancing doesn't mean that life is perfect. It doesn't mean that everything's okay. It doesn't mean that you don't have times of crying and pain. But the scars that are deep, that are hidden, where you can't see them, those scars we have to let Jesus have. And we have to let him take care of them. Sometimes messages like this, and I'm not trying to be too heavy because I want to make it light because Jesus is Lord over every situation. But when you, when you open up and you start talking about uh, pain that comes from life, you begin to feel uh, a lot of emotions. And, and I don't want to make you cry this morning, but if you cry, it's okay because Jesus is watching the tears. Because these scars that you get during life emotionally stay with you. And sometimes scars are good because it shows you that you made it. Okay? You made it. It is like these back surgery, knee surgeries I've had. and I made it. I made it. You see, today I can walk straight. I can walk without pain. I have no trouble. It was worth it because I had to give myself over to somebody to help me get well. Psalms 30, 30 verse 5 says, Weeping may be endured for a night, but joy comes in the morning. We all have night seasons. Matter of fact, there's a scripture that says he will give us a song in the night season. Many a times you can go to bed or, or you have a situation where you're up all night long and you, you, you just find a song. God will give you a song in the night. There was a program uh, years ago I used to listen to it, and I don't even think it's still on, but it was called A Song in the Night, Praise in the Night. I used to enjoy that was a good one. Song in the night. And God will give you a song in the night time. And we all go through seasons. We can't all have sun every day. We can live in the sun or for the sun. And he can live in us. But we don't always have sunshine. We sometimes have night seasons. Have you heard of a, story, of a gentleman named Stephen Curtis Chapman? You've heard. Anybody else? He is uh, good. Stephen Curtis Chapman at one time was one of the most popular Christian artists there was on earth. He won nine Dove Awards. Every year he won the Dove Award. He, he actually had saying and was like, I mean, I don't know. He, he was big. He was popular. He had, he had some children, and one ch child was Maria, I believe her name was. She was two years old. And I believe that, I'm not mistaken, she was adopted from China. I believe that's the story. But Stephen Curtis Chapman's 16-year-old son, backing out of the driveway one day, ran over and killed her. Can you imagine the pain that, first of all, the brother went through? 
Can you imagine the pain that the parents went through? Can you imagine how terrible that would have been? And he actually wrote some words. He actually has written, uh, I'm guessing, a book. But I took a little excerpt from what he wrote. And I'm going to read to you what he wrote. He says, it wasn't a song, it was just something he wrote. Out of the ashes, beauty rise. And we will dance among the ruins. And we will dance among the ruins. We will see it with our own eyes. Out of the darkness, new light will shine. And we will know the joy that comes in the morning. Beauty will rise. Wow. See, God loves us no matter what we go through. But God also sees us he, in, in our times of weeping. That's why it says it will come in the morning. It's not going to last a lifetime. And I believe today, before I finish this sermon, even during the altar call, altar call there's going to be somebody healed this morning. Do you believe that? You can be physically, but emotionally is what I'm speaking about. Here months ago, I felt in my spirit that, you know, it's easy really in some ways to get a doctor, pastor talked about this last week, I believe it was, that you can go to a doctor and get all kinds of things done to you. And the doctors are great, and God put doctors on earth. And there's nothing wrong with going to the doctor. But as he said, I don't go every time I sneeze. And the reason he doesn't go every time when he sneezes is because of her. She wouldn't take him to the doctor. She'd lay hands and pray. But emotional scars run deep. But God is there at our darkest hour. Our oldest son, who is... Uh, three years older than pastor. When he was, I suppose, just beginning to walk in the house and uh, probably a year old maybe, and he was walking in this old house that we were renting when we first got married was a house that had a grate on the floor. This grate was, underneath it was a tremendous amount of heat coming up to heat the house. So it was in the hallway, and the dumbest thing i ever seen is somebody put a, a big grate about that big. You couldn't walk on it in the, in the wintertime. You'd burn your foot. Well, he fell on that grate, and he burned himself severely. And I haven't looked in years because he's too old. But when he was younger, he had scars up and down his leg from that burn. Amen? He, he would scream and holler, but Mama says, I'm going to pray. Laid his hands on him, and I was at work. I came home late at night from work, and she says, he's doing fine, he's healed. So I go in just to test and see how God healed him. I, while he was sleeping in his crib, I took my hand 
and patted his leg that he didn't burn that day. He didn't even wake up. See, God's a healer. He also heals our insides as well as our outside. Stephen Curtis Chapman goes on to say that God shows us his power and his healing when our hearts are in little pieces. He goes on to quote the scripture in Deuteronomy 31.8. He, or Jesus, will go before you and he will be with you and will not leave you or forsake you. The song a little while ago was talking about he doesn't change. The book of Malachi talks about it. I quoted it a couple of times. I am the God that does not change. Amen? Thank God we serve a God that change, doesn't change. In a world of change, one thing remains the same. Jesus won't change. We may do our song and dance and do all kinds of strange things in our life as we begin to go through this life, but he's the rock. He's not going to change. Psalms 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and says to those are called in, in spirit. He will touch your spirit this morning. He will touch the brokenheartedness. If we hold on to God's unchanging hand, he will take our scars and he knows how to handle them. He can actually take these star, scars and turn them into stars. He can make these scars become something bright as a testimony. Bright lights of the stars. It shines brightly. And Ecclesiastes 3, 4 says, There is a season and a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. Tell your neighbor it's my time to dance. Amen. I want to look a, bit about, a little bit about Apostle Paul and his, his life, of his ministry. And if you've been in the church here, you've heard Apostle Paul talked about a lot, and you've read about it. The scripture is 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23, 31. I'm not going to read it, but it says, tell us, tells us, it tells us a, a story about Paul, how he was beaten and flogged. Listen to this. He says, I was beaten five times, 40 lashes minus one. He was beaten 39 times times five. That's a lot of lashes. Three times he was beaten with a rod. He said one time he was stoned three different times. And I'm not talking about drugs. But he was somebody stoned him three different times. He said, I was shipwrecked. I spent a whole day and night on the sea and was in danger from bandits. He was in trouble on land and sea. The man had troubles. He said, I'm going to I go ahead and I, I say, he, uh, he goes on to say, I, I was hungry. I was tired. I couldn't sleep. And he said, beyond everything else, I faced daily pressures concerning the churches. 
Now that's where you thought he might get a little bit of rest. But the churches was not what gave him the rest. Jesus gave him the rest. So he goes and you know Apostle Paul, Apostle Paul was teaching the different cities and different people how to do this and what you should and shouldn't do. But he found out he don't matter where he goes, he had problems. He faced the problems because of Jesus. Then he said, if I can boast, if I must boast, not if I can, but if I must boast, I'll boast in the things that show my weakness. What a man. And says that God the Father of the Lord Jesus who is to be praised. Sometimes we get on a little pity party and, and we say, Oh, I've been mistreated, I've been this, or I've been that, I've, I've been told this, I've been told that. But think how Paul was. Think how the apostle Paul was, beaten and hungry and thrown in jail. And the problems that he had, yet he said, I praise Jesus. Looks like Paul had some bad days. There wasn't one side of bed to wake up on. He couldn't wake up on a good side. He got out of bed every day with the same problems. I believe Paul bore lots of scars on his body, but he kept on serving, he kept on ministering, and he didn't give up, give in, or give out. He kept on keeping them. When Paul and Silas, the story about when they were in prison, that's a, that's a totally amazing story to me, and and you read it, and you study it, and you hear it, and you see it on a video or whatever. It's amazing to me how that Paul remained in a state of worship and praise as they were being beaten and shackled and put into a dirty, dark, dingy uh, jail cell. Not like today where they have cement floors, but a dirt floor and all kinds of bugs running around, I'm sure, stunk like we're bad. But Paul and Silas began to sing and praise God. Now, I, I, I have a little bit of funny sense of humor, and I'm thinking to myself, I wonder what they were singing. I think he was singing an old song we used to sing back years ago. He set me free. He set me free. I believe that's what they were singing. He broke the bonds of prison for me. I'm glory bound, my Jesus, to see. Glory to God, he set me free. Today, Jesus can heal your emotions. He wants to heal your emotions. He wants to heal, heal your hurts and sorrows, your hang-ups and your habits. He wants to do this. This is his desire to heal. If the musicians would come this morning... I have a few more things I want to say, but I want them to come. Isaiah 53, 5 says, But his, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of his peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Not going to be, but we are healed. Not was, but is. We are healed. You see, Jesus had a lot of scars. You know the story. 
Jesus bore his scars. The nails in his hands and feet and the side and the beatings on his back, the crown of thorns on his head. Terrible picture of suffering. The only person ever went to heaven with all the scars. And one day, one day we're going to be able to, if you love Jesus this morning, we're going to be able to look at Jesus. And he'll still have the nail print in his hand. He'll still have them in his side and his feet. He'll still have the scars on his body. You see, God could remove those scars. Easy. But he chose to use those scars for the future to show I did this just for you. Amen? One of the things we must want and need, we must be willing to give the scars and the pain to Jesus. We must be willing to give it. He's not going to grab them from us. He's not going to make us give them. But we have to be willing, our will, His will be done, not ours. See, scars means that we have been healed. But there are some that we won't let anybody see. We won't let anybody talk about. The scars that I bear on my body are scars of healing that you have. But see, the only one person in your life, in my life, can look inside of our spirit, and that's Jesus. Nobody else can do that. A doctor can open you up, but he can't see where Jesus lives. This heart is where Jesus lives, not the physical heart, but the spirit, the soul. Today, Jesus is here. He's walking these aisles. And then, come on. I want your scars. I want to help you. I want to deliver you from your hurts and your pain. Are you giving him scars today? Are you willing to give up your scars for stars? Colossians 3.13 says, Forgive those who have caused you pain. Something that I've been feeling so strongly. It's hard to forgive. I'm not joking. It is hard to forgive. The only way we can forgive is because Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit helps us be able to forgive somebody. I don't care who you are in this building, all of this place, you have pains of scars and memories and people that hurt you and people that, that did things to you and people said things to you. I know you do. We're human beings. Jesus is here today to help and to heal. But you must and I must forgive those who hurt us. Oh, that don't feel good. Mm -mm. That don't feel good. Oh, I'd like to slap somebody rather than pray for them and say, I forgive you. You know what I mean? It's a lot easier to hurt somebody than to forgive them. But if we don't forgive, our Father won't forgive us. We must forgive. 
with their heads bowed all this place this morning. We want to pray this morning.